I want to talk to you about maybe what's got to be one of the top subjects of all Scripture. Um, let's take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 1 through 3. Now, I'm not going to read that right away, but I will get, we'll get to it in a minute. The title of the message is something every Christian must have. It's an absolute must have in your Christian experience. No Christian can live for Jesus without having and understanding his love. The kind of love the Bible's talking about is not a natural love. It's not you, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You butter my bread, I butter yours. It's not what they call phileo in Greek. It's not the kind of love that is you do me good, I do you good. Uh, that's a reactionary love. That's a friendship. It's uh, agape, and it's a Greek word. It doesn't mean anything to you. It just simply means a self-sacrificing. The highest love there is. The love that God has for us. And when we get saved, he begins to teach us of the meaning of that type of a love. It is usually mentioned right at the top of most of the Bible lists of big things that you got to have as a Christian. I'm going to go over a few of them. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24, and I'm going to go, there'll be a lot of, a lot of scripture in this this morning. You know, a lot of meat and potatoes. Take what you can eat and leave with the rest for someone else. And uh, Doc mentioned in Sunday school class, didn't remember what I preached three weeks ago. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, but my mother, my mother would, uh, I still miss my mother's meals. How many miss their mother's meals? All you married people are in trouble. But my wife never attained to the level of my mother's cooking. It's not possible. It's not possible. Because they don't have your mother's love, the ingredient, the secret ingredient. I still sometimes daydream about some of the meals my mom cooked us. And if I tell them to you, you'd go, oh, I can't believe you eat that. But, you know, you add that love in there, and you add just your, your mama, which my mom's gone, been gone a long time. And you would like to sit down one more <laughs> Would I like to sit down one more meal? But the fruit of the Spirit, there's nine listed fruit, one fruit of the Spirit of the living God. Paul mentions to the Corinthians, Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, of, in whom ye are? And so when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells forever. What I love about that is John 14, Jesus said he's never going to leave us. Never. Neither this side or the next. He's coming in for a permanent change when you get born from above. Wow, that's good. But he mentions here in definition, but the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first thing he says? Love. Agape love. Love, joy, peace, on suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such, there's no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. 
Our text, now let me read it, in 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, the word uh, translated uh, for the agape love, the highest love, is this word charity. I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal, meaning meaningless sound. In other words, I'm making, I'm make, I'm, I have motion, I have effect, but it's for no good. So, without love, without this charity, without this love, I'm basically I'm making a bunch of sound and motion, but nothing really happening. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all, how many mysteries? All mysteries, all knowledge. Though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains with his faith, and I'm adding that in there, and have not charity or this agape love, I am nothing. That's amazing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. What a sad case it is when a Christian is living in the power of the flesh trying to be a Christian. You cannot be a Christian in the power of the flesh. It cannot happen. So that makes us totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit, totally dependent upon God, totally dependent on, on, on him to help us to live the Christian life. Yeah. And though I was so all my goods to feed the poor, not just some of them, and though I give my body to be burned, you know, like, like for, the, for the cause of Christ, I'm willing to let him burn me. And there were numbers of people, as you mentioned, burnt for the cause of Christ. And have not charity... It profiteth me nothing. I think that's phenomenal. First Corinthians, in the same chapter, verse 13, verse 13 there, it says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity. There it is listed again. These three. But the greatest of these is charity, or agape love. What we're talking about this morning. In another listing by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. I love that. Sometimes as you get older, your energy level goes down, your body becomes weak, you become more vulnerable, your mental capacity is reduced, your cognizance is reduced, you can get fearful. Fear wants to come in like a giant, like a monster, and inhabit you. I love what I love the Holy Spirit through Paul says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Claim it by the grace of God. Our work is literally called by love, is called, use the word love to describe it. It says in Hebrews 6 10, one, one of my verses that I sign my name, once in a while I sign my name and I'll put a verse down, Hebrews 6.10. It's one of them I use. I use a few, Romans 1.16. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, and I like this, labor of love. What are you doing for Jesus? If you're, if you're doing what's right, you're doing a labor of love which you have showed toward his name, and then he ministered to the saints, and you minister. Our very foundation as a Christian is love. Ephesians 3.17 says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded, that's that foundational, in Christ, in, in love, excuse me, 
rooted and grounded in love. I want to say exactly the way it is. And, and, and it says in 2 Corinthians 5 that, that it is love, the very love of Christ, that constrains us. It's what causes us to be able to move forward. The love of Christ literally grips a hold of you. I remember when Nick Carbon was asked to temporarily serve in the bus ministry for three months. What the people who invited him, was that Jimmy McCullum invited you or somebody else? Keith? Oh, man. Keith, Keith knew something. He knew, well, first of all, Keith knew how he got gripped. What gripped Keith when he went out there and picked those boys and girls up? It wasn't their personalities. It wasn't that they were nice. It wasn't that they were sweet, even though that may be true. I know what gripped him. Same thing that got me at 17 years old. That guy conned me into going with him on the bus ministry. By the way, he was from First Baptist Church, Hammond, Indiana. Skinny old beanpole. He says, why don't you come with me? He asked me, asked me, asked me, asked me. And I told my mom, dad, I'm going to go with him, just get rid of him. I can't stand it one more time. If he asks me, I'll go crazy. He said, he won't give up on me. And so I said, I'll go. And man, when I went with him and he took me visiting with him on that Saturday morning, God grabbed me. Man, I saw them old snotty nose. You ever see kids that don't blow their nose? They got like a green substance coming down from their nose going to the top of their lip. But where does it go from there? And then the dirt accumulates. The dust, because it was fairly dusty, and the dirt accumulates all over the sweat where they sweat dry, sweat dry, sweat dry, sweat dry. I mean, to be honest with you, that was the kids we were picking up. I'm somewhat of a clean, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not clean freak. Man, that went against everything in my world. And man, I looked at them like they were little angels. How can that happen? 17-year-olds are notoriously selfish. It was God. He gripped me. He grabbed me. He constrained me. He said, this is worth giving your life for. Yeah. It's love that causes our sacrifice for God, hopefully. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Oh, we, don't, we don't hear that quoted much. Do we? Husbands, love your wives. That's the same love. That's self-sacrificing God love. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I have a, a message that I do where I take that whole passage in the fifth chapter and I, I look up the even as, even as, just like, just like, just like, and it's compared over and over. Christ, marriage, Christ and the church and marriage, Christ the church and marriage, Christ the church and marriage, over and over and over, even like, so like. I failed at loving my wife like Christ would have loved her. And the only reason I say that is she's not in the auditorium this morning. Uh-oh. She is in the auditorium. She may walk out after this. No. But I have failed. I'm glad she didn't say amen. But, uh, but I want it. I want to love her like Christ loved the church. 
gave himself for. Yeah. First John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. This love is not emotional. Some people wait for an emotional wham, an emotional, an emotional boom, an emotional woo. Uh, they're waiting for some trill, some tingle, some something to happen to them. This kind of love is a choice. It is motivational. It's what drives us. It's what gives us meaning. It's what gives us purpose. It's what gives us a focus. It drives out all the fears that want to come and destroy you. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Y'all know where that's at, amen? Because you're going to need it. But perfect love, complete love, casts out, casteth out fear. Why? Because fear has to do with torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The law deals with the surface behavior of people. But the love of God causes us to have depth. 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 3, fabulous passage. Oh, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I, th I think that John wants to just say, and I don't know, but he just wants to say, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I know I don't deserve it. How about you? I like it. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Don't be upset when the world thinks we're strange and the world thinks we're odd and the world thinks we're out of step. We are. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Now that's an interesting phrase. A lot of times we keep going to God and say, God, help me, help me. And he says, purify yourself. In other words, we say, help me over this or help me over that. And there's, and there's a place for that. But a lot of it is on you, on you. Even as he is pure, the person that has God's love, according to this verse, self-purges, if I may say it like the King James, purifieth himself. He purges himself. If something comes in, the Holy Spirit says that's wrong, he purges it. If he starts swearing or acting, fun, acting crazy and it grieves the Holy Spirit, he purges it. If, if, he, if, he, if, he, if he sees a couple girls walking down the street in them leggings and he begins to lust on them, he purges it. If going to the beach is too provocative for him and he begins to, he begins to look at them women in, in ways that the Holy Spirit says are wrong, he purges it. If he goes to the mall and begins to see girls the way they, they uh, sensually in such a way that it begins to bother him and the Holy Spirit says ding, 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 he purges it. What's that mean? He quits going to the mall, quits going to the beach, and stays in his house all day. 
Just about. <laughs> Not really, but you have to keep your eyes. I, I grew up around Amish. They had a way of keeping their horses from being distracted. You ever see a ever see an Amish horse with blinders on? What was that for? Cars were going by. And that horse, you know, look over that the horse kind of goes where he looks, you know. And he looks over that way, the whole thing will go. So they put these things and big old black things on their eyes. I feel like sometimes I gotta walk down the road like this. I should get a pair of them, see how they You do not have to beg a believer with that when he's been caught by love. A believer wants to be pure. They want to be. They, 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 want, they want to be pure. They get to be pure. <laughs> they long to be pure. They strive to be pure. They seek to be pure, just like Jesus. Why? Because the love of God constrains them. Now, I have not mentioned the word duty. I have not mentioned the word law. I have not mentioned the word because it's right or wrong. I'm dealing with the root of it all. Listen, when a born-again Christian gets a hold of the, of, the, of the love of God from the God of love, you don't have to worry about law. You really don't. You say, you say uh, would you be willing to wear a tie? He'll wear a tie. You willing to wear a suit? He'll wear a suit. You're willing, you're willing to wear... You wear Shoes beside tennis shoes, he'll do it. Uh, if you ask him to go on door to door, they're, they're up for it. If you want to do a bus, they're up for it. In other words, I mean, I understand people have different ministries, but what I find about people that are in love with Jesus and of the, they're in love with a God of love, that they are so willing. Doesn't that make sense in your marriage, right? That way it is in marriage. You love your wife, you want to please her, you want to do things for her, you want to help her. It's just as natural as can be. And if you find yourself struggling this morning about fulfilling and doing the will of God, it's because you're, it's an, it's the, where is the problem is the area in your love? Yeah, that's where it's at. First John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Listen to Jesus when he describes this kind of love. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. I told my wife that a few times. Didn't fly real good, but I gave it a shot. If you love me, you'll do it. John 14, 21, Jesus' words, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I liked it, and I will love him. And, and oh, the last part of this verse is, Mwah. and will manifest myself to him. Do you want Jesus Christ and the Father to manifest themselves to you? I do. John 14, 23, two verses down, says, Jesus answered and said unto them, If any man love me, he will keep my words. Now I got to stop there for a second. The Bible is just not a general book of truth with phrases and paragraphs, and you, you, you really don't care about the specific words because that's just not the way this book is portrayed by God. 
It's the very words of God. Every word of God is pure. Not the thoughts, not dynamic equivalents. Those are all wrong. They don't take it, they don't take in consideration what Jesus said and other people the word of God said. And the Father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. If something's lacking in your life, it could be that God's not welcome and has not been welcomed the way he should be welcomed in your life. And that could be you could be holding him off from your unwillingness to be all in for him. You know, I, and I preach a whole message on this next statement. We are, in the Bible, commanded to love. Now, I can tell you that proves it's not an emotion. Hannah, formerly not. There's no way that when I first met you down there at Mel's Diner, and I said, I have a young man who lives up in Virginia, it would be okay if I shared uh, his email with you. Would you be willing to receive an email from him? He sat beside her. And she says, well, sure. But there's, had I gone like it, had I say, now, Hannah, this man's a good man, loves God, wants to do right, and make a good husband, I command you to love him. That don't work out too good. But ultimately, in the relationship, there was a time when you decided to love him. You had emotions, of course, but ultimately you decide. When, and the sobering part of the decision is when you get in front of a bunch of people and they say, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband for better, for worse, in sickness, and health, richer, poor, to death to his part? That's big, man. Yeah, it goes past emotion. John 13, 34, 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus' words, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. I don't have to like you, but I am commanded to love you. I'm going to make a, a personal confession. Are you ready for it? There's been times when I have liked my wife flat out. It even went past not like. I just heard a story today in bus meeting. This old couple, when they argued, the old boy got a shotgun, empty, pointed it at her somehow or another. I guess he pulled the trigger. It made him feel better. I have not done that. That's that's too far. It was not talking about me. It wasn't talking about Tom. I don't think it was talking about Tom. That third person thing bothers me a little bit. But see, to stay married, Hannah, you don't have to like him. And I'll bet there's been times. Oh, you've been married for three, four years now. I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet there's been times you didn't like him. You know, that first year, I don't ask that question. They're in a stupor. They're on drugs. And, but when they get, when they sober up, 
and, and, and about four years into it, life becomes, you know, like the, the, the uh, drugs are wearing off. Uh, then you can get to them and start talking like I'm talking. 30 years in, they're saying amen. 50 years in, they're doing old me by that time. Amen. But anyways, that's what the book says. It says, I command you, love one another. This, this, and this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We're supposed to show the world our love for Jesus by our love for each other. Man, that's good. You know, when Dale had a stroke, I went to the hospital the day he had the stroke. Dale Moonham back there. And I thought, well, this is our opportunity to love him and his wife. It's just an opportunity to prove what hopefully God's already placed in your heart. Amen? Love is mentioned some 157 times just in the New Testament. It's the greatest commandment. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, 30, 31, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and listen to the alls, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Now we're talking above any commandments God's given us. This is number one. Number two, he said, second is like, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and there is none other commandment greater than these. Now, Dennis Nelson just moved out and bought a, bought a lot right beside me where I live. Now, he has become my neighbor. Uh, Robert Wiley lives down the road from me. He is my neighbor. Uh, John Frost, uh, Cross, uh, Lee, and, and uh, Griffiths, and Ott, and, and the rest of these people live around me. I pray for them all the time. Well, I, I, they're my neighbor. There's a specific command in the Bible that says I'm supposed to love my neighbor. The second greatest commandment. What does that mean? Don't hurt them. Don't talk bad about them. My neighbor's dog came over. I had these little sweet little ducks I raised up from little babies. You know, little baby duck like that. And I raised these four little ducklings up. And they became beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, green-headed uh, mallards. And my neighbor's dog, I have my place totally fenced, and electric around it. That's to keep the animals out of my five acres So, because I had free-ranging chickens and some other stuff and pigs. and so <laughs> I didn't want them coming in and killing them. And sure enough, somehow that dog got in and killed those ducks. I know you're not sympathetic. Ducks... He came over to me, felt bad about it. He said, I feel so bad about it. He says, I'll buy you new ducks. I said, just like you can't give me a new wife, you can't give me new ducks. You don't buy new ducks. I raised these things from babies. They had names. Ducky, 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 ducky. It's just like George, 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 George. There ain't no much difference. Don't give me all that. And I implemented this verse in Matthew, in Mark chapter 12, 31. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love fulfills the law, period. Romans 13, 10 says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. 
Why? Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Literally, the whole law of Moses and all those 613 commandments are fulfilled by what I'm talking about this morning. How important is this? I think of the three questions. Jesus, he died on the cross. He was resurrected. He tells him he's going to meet him up by the Sea of Galilee. You know, Sea of Galilee, they wait for him. He doesn't show for a while. And so, you know, what do fishermen do? You give them a little time in their hands, they go fishing. So Peter somehow finds a boat. You know, he charters Nick Carbon to go out and go out and, and let's get some tilapia. And he puts the net out and everything. And they start catching tilapia, laughing, having a big old time. Jesus appears on the shore. Peter swims the shore and already fish on the coals. God cares about the practical part of life. Fish on the coals. You know, before he was going, he had to tell them some hard stuff. And before he did that, he fed them first. Not a bad idea, girls. Feed them first. Calm the raging lion. And then after they ate and everything, he says, uh, Peter, lovest thou me? Oh, he said, the word he used was agape. Peter answered back, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I, I'm fond of, I, if, let's just put it our way. He said, Jesus said, do you love me? And Peter said, I like you. He said, feed my sheep. Second time, he said, Peter, love us, tell me. He says, Lord, I, I like you. He said, Peter, feed my sheep. Third time, Peter's upset. Lord, no, you know all things. You know that I, I like you. Because the second, third time, he didn't ask him whether he loved him. He says, Peter, do you like me? He used the word phileo the third time. That insult, Peter hurt him to the core. Because who had denied Christ three times before the cock crowed twice? Who did that? The leader of the whole group. And what Christ was doing was trying to firm him back up. He had lost his foundation. He'd, he'd popped up. Man, I mean, he denied Christ. He ever knew him. He said, this is the guy that's going to lead the whole charge. He said, well, feed my lambs. And what, I'm, what, I, what I noticed out of that, it is love before service. What I noticed out of that passage, 21st chapter of John, is love before service. Don't do that. You may do that a few times without love, but ultimately you will not continue to do it without love. you got to have love. Love is what comes before service. Love empowers that service. It endures the resistance in serving. It ends the discouragement in the serving. It encourages sacrifice in the serving. It Love ensures success. In the serving. Love ultimately causes everything to work out. How do I know that? One of the more quoted verses in a Christian's life is Romans 8.28. I bet you could quote it. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the call according to his purpose. Man, people quote that. But it's true. 
If you love God, all the rest of the stuff's going to work its way out. You know, it's not that you're not going to have all kinds of resistance. You're not going to have discouragement time to time. You're not going to have all this stuff going on. But if you just love God and you just put your heart hand, head down and love God, all the other stuff in life, all the craziness in life, it's going to work its way out. And it'll work its way out for good. Amen. Love provides unimaginable rewards. That's what the Bible says. First Corinthians, if you want to take your book there, first Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that what? Serve him? No. Die for him? No. But love him. That's what it says, that love him. Prepared for them that love him. Did you know God is going to come for those who are looking for him? He's going to come for those who love, the Bible says, that love his appearing. Looking forward to it? Are you looking forward to Jesus today? Are you looking forward to break through the blue, some golden daybreak for me and for you? Are you? Keep your head up. Your redemption is drawn nigh. It's coming. So the question this morning, I guess, is simply, do you love God? The question may have brought the, the point being, how important is this love mentioned in the Bible? Is this something that you've been lacking? In other words, you're, you're having a motivational crisis. I get tired of going to church, or I get tired of the ministry I'm in. I get, I get weary. And the Bible says you're going to get weary, but it says, hey, hey, heads up, be not weary and well-doing. For you shall read in due time if you faint not. Love will keep you going. Love will keep you going. Hey, there's not been anybody that served God very long hasn't had a moment where he thought about quitting. Thinking about quitting is not quitting, amen? Thinking about quitting is not quitting. If you haven't thought about quitting, you just haven't been at it long enough. It's said about people that vote. If you haven't run aground, you just haven't voted enough. If you haven't destroyed a prop, you just haven't been, in, you haven't been out in the water enough. Now, don't take that for any suggestion. But thinking about giving up, could it be simply that we get in a deal of we've, we, we begin, well, what does it say? I think it's about the church of Ephesus. First of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. There was an accusation a weakness, a sin that that church had. And it said, you've done really well. I mean, Ephesus had a good, good uh, thing going on there, and God was pleased with most of it. But he said, I have yet one thing against you. You have left your first love. Now, some people quote that and says, you've lost your first love. But the Bible don't use the word lost. Use the word left. Oh, I love that. Why? Because if you leave something, you know where it's at. Amen? Except for your phone, which is in your purse with, this, with the ringer on. But most people know when you leave something, you can go back and get it. And he, says, he said to Ephesus, look, you've, you've left your first love, which indicated they could go back and get it. 
You say, Brother Bill, you mean if I got cold, if I've gotten distant, if I've gotten weary, if I've gotten discouraged, you mean I got a road home? There's a road home. Go to God. Admit it. Ask Him to fill you with His love again. You know, there's many fillings in the Bible, many Holy Spirit fillings. You go through the book of Acts, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Only one baptism. You only get in the Holy Spirit one time. But And when you're in the Holy Spirit, you get these baptisms. Not the baptism, that's the wrong word. The fillings over and over and over again. It makes sense. It makes sense. We are renewed day by day. I hope it helped you this morning. I believe this, this you know, I could have talked about symptoms. This morning, I could have went into all kinds of symptoms, but the root of it all is right here. When my woman, uh, 40, some nine, almost nine years ago, decided to love me, she had no idea what she was doing. I didn't know what she was doing because I don't even know me. You with me? And, but she was willing, by the grace of God, under, under, under the auspices of God, to say, I take thee to be my wedded husband. For better or for worse. And I have fulfilled that. For richer or for poorer, I fulfilled that. Through sickness and in health, I fulfill both of them. Till death do we part. I'm working on it. All go to God and say, God, help me. Help me. Help me. Give me your love. You don't think, you know, it's like your kid coming to you and saying, may I clean my room today? Sure. Could I mow the grass? Well, they got to be old enough to do it. But I mean, yeah, if they're old enough, yeah, sure, please do it. Man, wax your car if they're old enough to do it. Yeah. Who's going to turn? What dad's going to turn somebody down and want to do something good? You go to your heavenly father and ask him for something good, something he's commanded you to have, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Father, help us this morning. May the Spirit of God take these uh, earthen vessel. May you work a work in your people. Help us to love you. Above everything else, help us love it. What, what is the crux of it all? Love. For God so loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The very basis of our salvation was based on the love of Christ. And look at what Christ went through. Oh my, Father Help us to look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Help, help us to look at Jesus at the, at the uh, trial and the mocking and the scourging, realizing that love is not emotional, it's a choice. Father, thank you that Jesus didn't choose to opt out. Thank you that Jesus didn't choose to quit. Thank you that he went all the way home and finished the course and purchased our salvation with his own blood. Father, just help us to be faithful unto death, as you told the church at Smyrna, that someday I give you a crown of life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.